Oh, it's absolutely occurred to me that I could fall flat on my face in front of my friends, family, and favorite podcast host. But I love the chance to work with you guys in the past. I think we've done a great job on email marketing to the level that we could go with the existing software. But the opportunity to work with interesting people has always been the core of why I do what I do. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Today on the show, we are going to watch a business start. And that's more exciting than what happened to me this morning when I stepped on cat vomit. So <laughs> looking forward to this episode. I love that podcast series startup, Ian, where they showed a startup starting. You know, one of these things where you go get investors and all this stuff. I thought, why don't we try to put a few stories on this show? Businesses starting and just see where they go. It might fail. It might succeed. But I think we'll hopefully learn some things in the process. When you're thinking about starting a new business, there's a bunch of different ways you can go. You know, you can go build a piece of software. You can invent something like, say, a warm toilet bowl seat and go get it sourced in China. You could start a blog or a podcast. But what we're going to focus on today is a productized service. And to give people an example, I'm just going to sort of steal an idea from Dan Norris's WP Curve blog. Dan defines a productized service as a business that solves a problem on a recurring basis. So let's use Design Pickle as an example. It's actually run by a DCer named Russ Perry. The problem Russ solves, or the problem Design Pickle solves, and that's an important distinction, is that companies need graphic design work at a reasonable price. Is the problem recurring? Yes. Companies need to produce various kinds of graphic designs on a consistent basis. And what is the solution to offer an unlimited graphic design for a flat monthly fee? So that's an example of a productized service. And you can imagine all different kinds of these things. In fact, WP Curve is an example of one as well. Yeah, let's talk for a second here, Dan, about like what the solution used to be in the past. So in the past, you would generally bring on some kind of designer and you'd probably have an office and they would come into the office every day and it cost you $50,000 a year. Then I think what happened was we started using sites like Upwork and Elance and things like that and sending out requests for a quote on design work. But then in a lot of cases, is like you said, this becomes recurring work. So you have to either find the person that did the work in the first place and hope that they're free. If they're not free, you have to find somebody else. So that became a real pain. And so I think part of the pain point that these services are solving is that they're on demand. You can find them every time and you can expect the same kinds of results every time. So it's basically like having someone on staff for $250 a month, except it's much cheaper than having someone on staff. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, you remember when we first put up a bunch of WordPress websites, we hired somebody in the Philippines off of Elance. And it was such a headache. I mean, they were always ghosting on us and the work was inconsistent. And we were paying way more money than we pay for a service like nowadays where we just get WP Curve. You know, you're paying 100 bucks a month or whatever, and you're just getting unlimited design tweaks, which is really what you need. I think as with every business model, Ian, there are 
some pretty clear upsides and downsides of starting a productized service business? Yeah, I think the upsides are, you know, in terms of starting a business, you can start immediately. I think you're only limited by the scope of how many people you can attract. You can learn important business skills. I think it's a fairly easy way to get your foot into business without having to be some kind of business guru because you're almost kind of a consultant, right, in the beginning, Yeah. except you're not the consultant. So it's not Russ that's the consultant, it's Pickle. <laughs> Even if it is only Rust, he gets to hide behind Pickle, and that's important. You can scale relatively fast, too. I think that that's important as well, and there's some downsides to this. But in terms of the amount of work that you can bring in, it's directly related to the amount of contractors or the amount of work that you can crank out on the back end. Well, it's more related, I would say, to your sales funnel, right? Sure. Like I said, you could start immediately as long as you have some kind of sales funnel. But once you get started and once you get a bunch of people in there, these are service type businesses. So you are going to have to work on the back end. Right. Unless you create some smart widget and then eventually that becomes SaaS, right? Right. You know, one of the other things I'd like to mention is that there's no risk here. Of course, you're risking your reputation. You know, if you don't deliver for your clients, that could hurt your trust in the marketplace. But it's not like you're sending $25,000 off to a development firm to build some fancy piece of software or that you have to quit your job and like move to China for a couple months to build a prototype. I mean, we're really talking about something where you could craft an offer in a weekend and start to see if you can get clients the next week. I think this is the ultimate next step for any consultant out there. You're doing one-to-one work for your client. And then at some point you say, hey, I'm going to put up a wall. You're not going to see what's behind this wall, but we're going to get all the work done and it's going to be $2.95 a month. But it's not all roses. Something that comes so easily can go away easily too. I mean, I think it's difficult to differentiate these services. I think you've got, in many cases, an HR headache on your hands, scaling a team that can successfully deliver the product that you've promised. And when it comes to scaling that team, you can have significant margin problems depending on what your staffing costs are. And so thinking about these sorts of things is critical to the ultimate problem with productized services, which is churn and retention. Can you keep your clients on board for the long haul? So we're going to see. We're going to see whether the upsides outweigh the downsides, hopefully over this series. So let me tell a quick story about how this series came about and why we're doing it. So I was transitioning from AWeber to Drip a few weeks ago. I received a wonderful email from Rob Walling. And I thought, man, it's really time that we upgrade our email game. And almost immediately, I felt the pain of like, well, am I going to do this? Is someone on my team going to do this? Like, you know, how are we going to get all this work done? And I just went on Twitter and I said, hey, if anybody wants to start a SWAS business, a software with a service, so that's a type of productized service where you basically use a piece of software to deliver the productized service. I said, you know, Drip is just a great candidate. And our friend and longtime consultant to us, Jeff Picaro, writes back and says, hey, that sounds like it would work for me. And he responded and he said, can you guys be my anchor client? And I was like, well, number one, sure. But number two, would you be willing to come on the show and share the story as you go along? And he said, sure. We're going to talk about the sort of genesis story in today's episode and what Jeff's intentions are. But there's also an opportunity for two listeners of the podcast who are in a similar position as Ian and myself, having troubles with AWeber and sort of old school email marketing. There's an opportunity for two more people to join us as Jeff's anchor clients. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm really excited for Jeff. We've worked with him for a couple of years now, and he's tried a bunch of different business models. I think that this one might suit him the best out of all of them. So I'm really interested. And I'm also obviously interested to get on Drip because I've seen a little bit of the capability, and I think it's going to be a great tool for our business. And one thing I want to say about these pieces of software is that the problem that you have in a business like ours is that the software is complex. I mean, most software is, no matter how simple the developer makes it look, you really have to have somebody that's dedicated to learning the software and helping you implement it into your business. Yeah. Because once you, you know, spend the $200 on the software, it's like, that's nothing, you know? The real problem comes when you have to implement this into your business. And so that's the reason why for so long we've kind of put off this email marketing software is because we just didn't have the resources. And so, again, one of the huge advantages of this model that Jeff is going to go into is that we don't have to spend $50,000 a year. Yeah. We get to spend a couple thousand dollars. This is the business opportunity for listeners of the show. It's like for medium-sized small businesses, the cost of running any kind of SaaS software is way more than the monthly rate. And the prototypical example of this, Ian, is QuickBooks. You know, you buy QuickBooks, but you still are willing to pay a bookkeeper and an accountant to help you run it because that's where all the cost is. So that to me is the business opportunity. If listeners of the show can look around at software that people already use and say, hey, I can implement that software for people and charge a margin for it. Just to be clear, you know, like you said, the QuickBook consultants, they've been around since the beginning of QuickBooks. So we were kind of early to brand this kind of service as productized services, but these people have been around forever. The part, I guess, that makes it more attractive now is that there's more of these pieces of software being distributed. And I think that there's just generally more opportunity to do what Jeff is doing. So here's how we're going to do this episode, Ian. This is sort of our first episode and hopefully what will become a long and interesting series. And we started with sort of the five steps of starting a productized business. So I gave Jeff a call yesterday to talk with him about the five steps as I see them, which is identifying a market problem, identifying your business goals, crafting your offer, developing your logo and branding, and delivering your service. So we're just going to jump right into that right now. If you're interested in following the series or seeing all the links that we've mentioned in today's show, you can check out this post at tropicalmba.com slash productized. Travel has always been a core value for me and really my motivation to do much of anything. But the problem that I had with being in the office job, being in the nonprofit world, was you've only got the time off that you've got. You're stuck in the location where the job's available. So the core motivation for me to get out of that was that I wanted to be able to get on a plane when the flights were cheap. And I wanted to go be by the ocean instead of working on you know, the ocean. Now, for the last five or so years, you've been out of the job. So why are we here talking about a new problem? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people who leave the working world find a skill that they're good at, they figure out how to sell it, and they end up really being glorified freelancers, which, you know, despite having a bit of a brand name, despite having a reputation in, in a certain community, at the end of the day, my work has come back to selling my talent and selling my time. And I read a really interesting article by a guy named Brian Castle a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, tell me about it. There's something about the difference between selling talent and selling process. And that really struck a chord with me. Because at the end of the day, if you're a talented person, talented freelancer, talented writer, what have you, you're really stuck in a position where you're limited by your own time. You know, if you train someone to be as good as you are, they're going to be out doing the same thing you are. They don't need to be sitting in the middle of your margin and taking 50% of the money for something 
something that they can do themselves if they learn how to sell it. So you end up in a position where you can go bespoke. You know, you can go high end and really master your craft and sell to really high end clients. But even if you're selling, you know, $25,000 books as a ghostwriter, you're in a position where you're still limited by your time. And so there's no ability there to get sick. There's no ability there to take time off. And really, at the end of the day, every decision is a trade-off between your ability to grow and your ability to enjoy it. How do you see the future as different for you? Like when you think about the future, what would you prefer it to be? You know, I think I came to DCBCN and was reflecting on the people around me. And one of the common traits that I noticed from all the successful entrepreneurs was the ability to build a process that they can put a team on and build a brand that they can capitalize on. So when I look around the table and I see that everyone's got a certain reputation, everybody's got a certain team, I took a look at my own business and the work that I do and realized that I really had put myself in a position where I could raise my rates indefinitely, but the business was never going to grow beyond me in its current capacity. So when I look at the future, I guess I'm seeking opportunities or structuring this new business with the ability to scale in mind and the ability to grow something that's bigger than myself and can really provide value at some kind of scale to the marketplace. So in order to go from freelance to business owner, we've decided to do something crazy, which is start your business on the show and see how it goes. We're doing it live. <laughs> We're doing it live. And why have you submitted to such scrutiny? Because there's a high chance that you'll fail in front of everybody. Are you worried about that? Oh, it's absolutely occurred to me that I could fall flat on my face in front of my friends, family, and favorite podcast host. But I love the chance to work with you guys in the past. I think we've done a great job on email marketing to the level that we could go with the existing software. But the opportunity to work with interesting people has always been the core of why I do what I do. The good news for you, Jeff, is that there's only five easy steps to starting a scalable business. The first one is a problem. You need to identify a market problem. So what problem have you chosen? Helping entrepreneurs move off of legacy email software and traditional broadcast spray and pray email marketing to marketing automation. All right. And in particular, working with you guys, where I've been helping behind the scenes with newsletters for the DC for a couple of years now. And we find ourselves in a position where the inability to segment the audience makes it really difficult to target campaigns. So I've described in the past, how do you solve a niche? Well, you describe the problem that you're going to solve and the unique way in which you're going to solve it. So for you, the problem you're going to solve is people have these terrible things. I don't want to say AWeber is terrible, but I guess I just said it. It's not great for businesses that have more complexity to them. And the unique way in which you're going to solve it is how? The unique way we're going to solve it is using Drip, Rob Walling software, which occupies a really interesting place in the email marketing world between some of the kind of beginner level email marketing platforms like MailChimp and Aweber that help you get started inexpensively, but don't really provide the amount of complexity or power that you need to be able to effectively target a customer base and create email marketing that reaches out to people like where they're at. So recently with some of the emails for DCBKK, I know you ran into a problem. The problem was, it was a simple one, but it like sort of exacerbated my frustrations with these more basic like MailChimp and Aweber type things is they put you in a box. So I had 10 tickets left for the event and I wanted to send an email out to people who had visited the sales page, but haven't bought a ticket and to say, hey, I know you saw the offer. Like, is there any kind of anything you need to know from me in order to make the final decision? Because there's only 10 spots left. But the crazy thing is, is like, 
I didn't know who had visited the sales page. And I had to send that email out to people who'd already bought a ticket, which stinks because it's completely irrelevant to those people. So I would have loved to have sent you know, a targeted email to like those 40 people who understood the offer, who had obviously been interested in it, but who had not yet made the decision. And you kind of looked at me and then the marketing team looked at me and just like, sorry, man, we got to spray and pray. It's just at a certain point, you want to be able to send way more relevant emails to your audience. Right. And in the past, your options for doing that were giant software suites like Infusionsoft that are really intended to be the cornerstone of a sales team, but are, I mean, they're a nightmare. They're super complicated. They're super expensive to set up. And even after you've gone through the process of dropping five, $6,000, getting it ready and hiring consultants, you're still left with a piece of software that is too difficult for your team. Right. So where Drip offers a really interesting opportunity is to create a piece of software that's both useful for entrepreneurs, useful for teams that are kind of in that small business niche where you've got five employees, you've got 15 employees, but you don't have a giant team and you don't want $250 an hour consultants. Now, before we go into the second step of growing a successful scalable business, let's talk a little bit about productized services and SWAS, what those things mean and why you're employing that business model at this point in time. You know, for me, the productized service model really comes back to that process versus talent issue that we mentioned earlier. And I think that after spending a certain number of years in really any given industry and honing a skill, you start to realize that there are best practices that are kind of unassailable ways that you could improve most businesses. So even as a freelancer, when I walk into a meeting with an email marketing client, I've got a pretty strong suspicion that they're failing in one or more ways that I've seen over and over again over the years. And the advantage of a productized service is that you're able to take those commonalities and both hire staff at a reasonable rate that are going to be able to implement things without you hiring specialists, but also to create a real deliverable and a real predictable value that you can promise to clients and give them over and over again. Why have the extra distinction of software with a service or a SWAS business model? And why does, I'm assuming you think that this business falls under SWAS because you're using Rob Walling's drip. Right. And so we're piggybacking here off of a powerful piece of software. And I think the advantage there is that it helps you step into an identified cash flow. You know, I know people who are out there and using marketing automation software who signed up for marketing automation software have already identified the problem. They're already bought into the challenge that old email software provides. So when I take a look at something like Drip, that says to me that there's a market opportunity there that can be fixed. And the reality at the end of the day is that done-for-you services are all about giving people their time back and adding your expertise. Well, let me describe maybe the structure of how it could work. So you go to a popular SaaS, software as a service product. Like let's say Drip. Drip's like over $100 a month. And on the main sales page, there's like three clear bullet points. It's like, if you sign up for the service and you pay us over 150 bucks a month, here are the benefits that you're going to see in your business. Basically, what SWAS does is it like sort of takes a carbon copy of that sales page and says, I'm going to give you the same benefits, charge you 10 times more, so $1,000 a month, but your interface isn't going to be the software. It's going to be me. It's going to be our company, our brand, and we're going to do it for you. So in other words, you can just send us emails. You don't have to log in and learn a new piece of software and take a part of your team or hire a freelancer to execute that. Instead, your interface becomes email, you pay a premium for it, and smart people that know best practices execute the software for you. Couldn't have said it better myself. So then let's move on to the second easy step, if you don't mind, Jeff, which I think is to have goals. 
This is the part where you think about what you'd like to achieve, how you can achieve it, do some napkin math, talk about 1% of a hypothetical marketplace. <laughs> Tell me uh, what your goals are for this project. Yeah, I mean, I think the goals are twofold. I think you've got lifestyle and I think you've got money. So for me, the lifestyle element of it, since you know we are on the Tropical MBA, is getting out of the business of churning for new clients month after month. And you can do that to some extent with writing, whether you're focusing on content marketing, whether you're focusing on newsletters. But at the end of the day, you come back to that talent problem in the ability to scale. So the lifestyle goal for me here is to build a company that doesn't rely 100% on my ability to be good at writing and focuses on something that can grow. With that in mind, you know, the money goal really, there are a couple of different ones. There's your safe level, there's your fun level where you can, you know, head off to Barcelona and kick around for a summer. But then there's a level where you can really say, I've reached that kind of tipping point as an entrepreneur. I'm going to be okay, mom and dad. I don't need to go back to law school. I think for me, that's around the $100,000 a year mark. And that would be net profit. Right. That's not counting staff. That's not counting salary. That's not counting software. That's money in the bank, money in the IRS and accounting for the basic cost of running the business. I think the reason that this is important is because it makes you think about, you know, well, how many staff do I need to get that? How many clients do I need? How many products per month do I need to move to get to my goals? I just call that like the napkin math stage. And I think that's important to any business is just sort of using the spreadsheet or the napkin to expand your mind about what's possible. So the third step is to have a buy now button or to create an offer. I think on the show, we've often said, you know, a business starts with just a buy now button. So what are you going to do about this one? So you got your problem, you got your goals, where's your buy now button? You know, I think it's a mistake sometimes to jump into a name. So what I'm doing for Dan and Ian is I'm helping them get off of their old email software, helping them set up the campaigns they need to turn more leads into customers and turn those customers into longtime clients. And if you're interested in doing the same kind of thing and getting started with marketing automation, I'm going to have an email up here on the page for the podcast, Jeff at LTV Machine. And we are going to be looking for a couple of anchor clients who might be interested in having their conversations recorded and featured on future episodes of this series. What's in your offer, though? If those people write you an email, what are you offering them? So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be focusing on getting your account set up according to best practices, helping you get the most out of the software, and then giving a couple of additional months of ongoing optimization to turn that into like an email marketing machine. So it's a three-month process that's going to be involved in setting up three campaigns to turn your leads into customers, get your customers onboarded, and then either retain them or turn them into bigger clients over time. We're going to be setting up customer segments for each of those three stages, but also focusing on specific customer profiles for your business. So for the DC, that might look like software, SEO, e-commerce, those kinds of things. You're using a lot of terms that's obvious, like you've done a lot of email marketing. How long does it take someone to learn all that stuff? You know what I mean? Like, is this defensible? Can a listener of the show be like, hey, I want to swass out drip too. Can they do that? Is that going to hurt your business? I think they probably can, but I've got seven years of expertise to stand on. And I think I've got the network necessary for me to get this business off the ground and put it into a defensible position. You know, it's always the difference between expertise and and mastery. And I don't want to go ahead and call myself a master, but there's a certain amount that you can learn in six months. And then there's a certain amount that you really don't figure out until you're in the trenches with clients every year. Don't you think that's hurt you? Because if we take the theories that we talked about earlier in the show, it's like, if you're super skilled at email marketing, does that mean you're in a better position to swass out drip than someone who doesn't care about email marketing? 
or who just learned it, you know, like a few months ago. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting that freelancing and consulting can both become a kind of a trap where you've got the skills to put yourself in a reasonable income bracket and a reasonable tax bracket, but it's difficult to take the risk and make a bet on doing something bigger. And so I think a beginner is probably in a better position to have nothing to lose and to have no reputation to risk and to take a stab at it. But at the same time, I think that there's a spectrum there. And I think that there is a relationship between skill and value that is still an advantage at the end of the day. So let's just make it clear before we move on to the fourth step. You're going to offer like a three-month product that's basically like you're in AWeber right now and you're frustrated. You want to scale, but you don't want to get Infusionsoft. You don't want to hear the sales guys ring the bell in the background and then have years of confusion ahead of you and probably a full-time employee. Instead, you want to move over to something like Drip. You want to have Jeff's company do it for you and you're going to get three campaigns and a bunch of other lead scoring kinds of cool things going on. So you're going to be ready to rock after three months with more sophisticated email marketing. How much do you think you can charge for that? Or what are you going to charge for it? So if you're interested in moving off of old email marketing software and getting started with marketing automation, I think the price point for this is pretty comfortable around $3,000 for setup based on other people I've seen in the market. But to get a business started and to really figure out what that offer is going to look like, you need a couple of anchor clients to figure out exactly what they need. So if a couple of listeners for this show are interested in getting started, I'd be willing to offer $2,000 for a three-month setup process that's going to get all your campaigns, your testing, your tracking installed, help you figure out what those customer segments are, set up the triggers to fill them, and then leave you with a fully tuned email marketing machine at the end of three months. Cool. And we're going to hear some of those stories on the show. Yeah. So in exchange for that discount, I think it'd be great if we could record calls and if we could help figure out how we can document part of this process. All right. So the fourth step. So you got to get your buy now button up and you got to get people to click it. I think we just saw that in real time. So number four, you got to get a logo. What's your brand name and how do you think about that? Yeah, so this is the hardest part of the process for any entrepreneur because at the end of the day, you could spend months or years worrying about an idea, worrying about a name. I've decided to run with LTVMachine.com. And what LTV stands for is lifetime value. And I've intentionally made that a little bit wonky with the idea that I'm interested in people who have experience in email marketing and who run a real business. The logo's a nightmare, man. You can either go the expensive route up front with the idea that the the service might change and the name might change. You can go to one of these crazy like software generators that's going to pop out something with a little piece of clip art on it and you're going to look like every other like Netscape wannabe from 95. You know, for me, I think the smartest thing to do with logos at the start of the process is just text. Find a cool font, play with the sizes and get it up there, get it rolling. Because, you know, you've said a million times every business starts with a sales letter and so that's the early version of what we've got up at LTVMachine.com if you're interested in seeing how we're pitching. I've seen so many businesses like this, they start with something very simple. You don't need a logo. All you need is just the name up there. And it's really about those few key relationships that can get things started and the buy now button, of course. At this point, we're just trying to clarify our offer and figure out what makes money for people. Okay. So the final point, Jeff, is about delivery and capacity. You know, you need to deliver the products that you're selling. I'm curious as to how you think about, I'm assuming you haven't hired people in the past. That to me is a critical part of scaling. So I'm assuming a few listeners will want to take you up on your offer because you're super experienced you're going to provide way more value than that. I mean, Infusionsoft like costs that much. So it's incredible value. But are you going to be doing that work? I mean, you're going to have a VA, an apprentice, an assistant. What do you think about that? Like, And when do you bring in staff to start doing this stuff? Yeah, you know, you guys have talked a lot in the past about racing to the first hire. And I think that's smart. And I think that's correct. 
But I also think it's really important to work directly with the anchor clients and to figure out exactly what their needs are and to document that process in a way that I think really only the entrepreneur can do to begin with. The goal, of course, getting to that $100,000 a year mark isn't really something that is easy to do alone unless you're a genius. And they're out there and more power to them. But for me, I think the goal is to work with the first three to five clients directly, really nail down what they need and how to give it to them, and then try to race to that first hire. I think that is VAs. I think that is someone who can focus on the technical aspects while the entrepreneur retains a little bit more of the strategy for the first year or so. Hey, so we're going to keep following Jeff and LTV Machine on the show over the next few months to see how it progresses. If you're interested in following along too, you can see all the links to this week's episode at tropicalmba.com slash productized. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.